You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Ranya Hatite is an inspiring serial entrepreneur and a fierce global business and social impact leader that I am very excited to have on the show. She's the founder and CEO of ID4A Technologies, a design tech company that was named Best Entrepreneurial Company in America by Entrepreneur Magazine at the end of 2016. It was recognized as a well-rounded company that has mastered a balance of impact, innovation, growth, and leadership. Only 360 honorees of privately owned companies in America were distinguished on the list, so this is really quite impressive. She acts as an advisor to a variety of startups in Silicon Valley and beyond, and is sought after as an expert judge and angel investor on global entrepreneurial and startup competitions. Her resume goes even further to prestigious awards, nominations, and recognitions from the White House, to writing and international public speaking engagements and more. You can find a complete list on her website, subscribe to her newsletter, and make sure to follow her social media pages, and I've included links to all of that in the show notes. For now, though, I really want to kick off my conversation with her because I think she's an extremely thought-provoking and super interesting person to listen to. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. So, Rania, welcome to Why Try. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nicholas. I'm excited to be with you as well in this conversation today. So just to open up, can you share some more about your company? ID4A Technologies is basically a global design technology company. We are based in San Francisco, and we have an international team that's distributed between six major cities around the world so far. We are specialized in the design and development of platform solutions and automation software for robotic technology, specifically to the advanced manufacturing industry. So we leverage exponential technologies such as artificial intelligence, 3D printing, and industrial robotics. We also collaborate with corporations and R&D laboratories and startup companies to help them develop their product ideas from an early concept concept stage to prototype manufacture and distribution to market. Wow. So this is uh, probably the most if I were trying to describe the most futuristic company I could think of, it would sound a lot like what, what you guys are building. <laughs> so what made you decide to start it? ID4A was born, first of all, out of my personal passion to bridge design and technology innovation with business. And second, out of a very deep understanding of the creative design process, as well as production pipelines and manufacturing workflows. And third um, is the capability of successfully consolidating my multidisciplinary expertise into a cohesively operational entity that can unlock value to our customers. So, um, so this is really the, the, the core of why ID4A was born. Um, now, um, what really led to it, um, there are three major factors that I would like to also share about. Uh, first of all, I personally have a very diverse background and a very broad knowledge base that is both technical and creative, which is normally not a common combination. I, I came from engineering into design field that combines industrial design with spatial design and branding and then I continued my higher education in production design and then I went into architecture. Um, my thesis was focused on computational design and advanced fabrication with using machine vision, 3D printing and industrial robotics also um, uh, c- combining these technologies in, in, in order to manipulate smart materials as well. Um, The second factor was that I worked over the years with many major companies across different industries from automotive, aerospace, electronics, um, architecture, building systems, and and many other. 
And through these experiences, I, I gathered a lot of insights of how things get produced and manufactured for real-world application. In addition to, you know, the, the design and creative and um, more theoretical uh, educational background that I had from engineering and design training. The um, third factor was that during that same period, while I was a student, I also became an entrepreneur. And I learned a lot from co-founding two companies and exiting only two years before graduating with my second master's degree. So following that, um, uh, which also part of what led to, to, the, to the foundation of ID4A, is we initiated a series of automation experiments and we did multiple R&D projects to expedite the iterative uh, prototyping cycle using 3D printing and robotics. And that eventually led us to come up with innovative applications that we pitched and sold to businesses and industries and the industry who adopted them for a variety of manufacturing processes. All these experiences helped us not only to mark the successful beginnings of ID4A technologies, which, you know, it continued to unfold over the years since, since we founded the company in 2011, but also to position the company at the forefront of design technology by continuing also to innovate and reshape our, our own business model as we continue to move into the future. Is this fair to say, like, you worked with a number of these organizations, I, I mean, you count like NASA among them is pretty cool. And you kind of see like the problems that they're dealing with and you you have all this background and then you ha have your company and you're like, we, we can develop tools that will help them solve their real problems. Is that right? Absolutely. Especially when it comes to the manufacturing, there is a, there's always a fragmentation between how the entire cycle works from uh, from when the idea of a product is uh, is concepted all the way to when it's produced and, and made into a real tangible object that is functional and um, it can survive in the real world. So, um, so there is always that uh, gap between design and manufacturing. And, and this is where my interest was, is how do we take all this creativity and all, the, all this understanding that comes from, from the design process and the creative process of coming up with new ideas for useful and, and innovative products and also create a bridge that would make the manufacturing and production a lot more efficient, a lot faster, more sustainable uh, as well. So, um, so this is really um, the area where we're kind of our sweet spot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's such a fascinating sweet spot, and uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that can do it successfully. So this is your third business, right? Yes. What's worked well for you in growing this company over six years or so? Yes, uh, we started in 2011. First, let me give you a little bit of context and timeline that now that you're asking about how many years. So I've been on my entrepreneurial journey since 2007. That was my during my second year as an undergraduate student. We founded the company at the end of 2011. We moved the company to San Francisco at the end of 2013 and launched operations out of Silicon Valley only three months after graduating from my second master's program. But we were able to develop a unique B2B business model that allowed us to expand by building strategic partnerships and collaborations with corporations, R&D labs, and startup companies who can benefit from the solutions that we provide to support the innovation and growth of their own businesses. And um, 
currently we are at a place where we are also conducting major organizational changes on the inside and exploring more B2C type of channels to make some of the solutions available online to also support um, individual consumers that like invest, uh, inventors, enge- engineers and designers who are seeking resources and support to develop new products as well. At the end of 2016, um, back to what you mentioned earlier in, in, in your introduction about um, about uh, our ranking as one of the best entrepreneurial companies in America, at the end of 2016, ID4A was evaluated by Entrepreneur Magazine's 360 list, which is considered the most comprehensive analysis of privately owned companies in America. And, um, and, and you know, we... We are very proud and, and um, humbled at the same time to to be ranked on on this list. Um, but that happened after uh, a, a very intensive process process of analysis and evaluation that was in collaboration between us and them as well in order to prove our merit for this ranking. Um, and it also uh, recognized ID4A as a company that had mastered four areas: impact, innovation, growth, and leadership. So, you know, again, we're, we're definitely humbled and proud about it, but we're also looking forward to do better and reach higher. It's been over 10 years of hard, persistent work with all kinds of sacrifices and sleepless nights and mistakes and losses, which all entrepreneurs can relate to that. You know, some lazy people like to convince themselves that that this is how it works, like somehow you, you got lucky or... Uh, just a lottery. Telling your yeah. laugh. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's a lot of misconception about success out there. So in brief, what really worked for us is hard work day in and day out without losing our enthusiasm during the downfalls because there was many of those. The second thing that worked really wor- uh, well for us was prioritizing innovation over monetization. The third was creating value, which eventually led us to growth. Um, four was um, strategic thinking and ad- agile execution, with, which led us to expansion. And um, we also uh, put priority in investing only in the right people and nurturing constructive relationships, which was tremendously important to help us also grow and, um, and, and, and expand. And the last thing that's very fundamental to any company to succeed or any entrepreneur to 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 reach a level of success in, in their in their journey is to have a genuine desire for success. Um, because without that desire, you you really can't get anywhere with anything. <laughs> like a lot of people talk about, like the law of attraction. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. Is yes. that something you buy into? Do I buy into it? You're already skeptical about it. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I'm, I'm skeptical? Well, I'm at the beginning. I'm, I'm looking for every edge I can get. Like, I'll do it, but I don't know if it works. Certain experiences in life and certain notions and concepts, you can't really grasp unless you've experienced it in a way. Like, some, some concepts are easily um, understood because they're very basic. They're very substantial. They're... They're very analytical, logical. You get it. I see it. I understand it. But certain things are are more ethereal and more uh, conceptual in that sense. So it's hard for people to understand. The only thing I can say that I can relate to is how you think of yourself and how you present yourself and what you really desire. You will be able to achieve if you believe it. 
it, it has to be a belief that you have on the inside that um, I can achieve what I want and I will have it and it will happen. So it's something you talk yourself into and that's how you actually get there. Have you always been this way? Have you always had that, I guess, confidence and that uh, desire? The desire was always there. I've always had the confidence, but it also got stronger over time because when you start to materialize things and you start to, to produce results, your belief in yourself becomes more solidified. So even if you had the confidence, but, but your uh, belief is shaken or your self-esteem is not as strong as your confidence because they're two different things, then it's a problem. There's a gap between these two. So, so the best place to be is where you are very self-assured, your self-esteem is really high, you're very confident. And um, once you start to produce results, that gives you even more of that, more confidence, more self-esteem, more belief in yourself. So, um, so yeah, so, so it kind of goes hand in hand. I think people also get a little bit turned off by failures or mistakes. And this is where your self-esteem and confidence become really crucial to pick you back up because you have to believe that you can continue and it's okay. Uh, you can be crushed if you want to continue to succeed. You cannot be crushed easily. Is there anything you do like day to day that's kind of a, a, a tangible practice or a tangible thought that you tell yourself? Uh, absolutely. I, have you heard of the two-hour genius rule? Einstein and Darwin followed these theories. But basically there, there is that one particular rule that I have in my life that every single day I need to give myself these two hours of isolation where I could spend time to think, to rethink, to evaluate what happened uh, during the day, uh, uh, what, what happened over the course of a period of time, where I want to be, and always keep checking back with my big picture vision to make sure that I'm not deviating from that by day-to-day -day responsibilities or day-to-day -day challenges. And this has been so useful for me because it wasn't only helping me to tap into my creativity and, and my own genius as a person, but also it helped me to reconnect with my, um, what we were talking about, reconnect back again with my confidence, my self-esteem, my um, my belief in myself because I, I'm spending that time with me where, where we are reconnecting and making sure that we are not lost. We are not deviating from, from the vision. We're still on track. So, um, so I find this to be very important. Spending time alone is very important, especially for people that are, that work so hard. You're dealing with many people every single day and you don't want to lose yourself in other people's lives and, 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 everything else that you built around you that requires your attention and your, uh, and your energy. It's just one of the, one of the things. <laughs> so that's like, it's unscheduled time, essentially, where you kind of sit, reflect, and realign yourself? Yes, absolutely. There is a huge benefit to giving yourself that time to leverage reflective thinking, because this is when you reconnect back with your imagination, you allow your mind to wander, 
um, you allow yourself to reconnect with with your own um, with your own also core personality. If you feel like you've done something that's not necessarily reflective of who you really are, then then you can think about that and see how you could change that and, and sharpen back that image of yourself that you see on the inside and be able to reflect that uh, back outwardly in a much more authentic way. That's my take on this. I mean, we can talk about this forever. Please uh, no, move on. That's fascinating. <laughs> well, it's kind of a departure from what we had uh, planned on talking about, but that's still yeah. super interesting. Before I think of it, do you have any books that you'd recommend? I'm a person who loves to read philosophy. I, I find that world fascinating and it really helps me to process my own existential understanding of myself and, and also with others around me. So if anything I recommend, besides reading great business books and innovation books and self-help, book, self-help books and all that stuff, I think it's, um, it's really important for people to go back and spend time to, um, to read ancient philosophy, modern philosophy, um, uh, spend the time to, to, um, to really connect with with life and more depth than what we do on day to day basis, because that's something that's been lost with with our um, how our lives kind of evolve at a societal level. People don't spend enough time to think about existential questions, and I think that's really detrimental to the development of anybody's real identity, because you're you're not really spending the time to neither to process that or to nurture it and develop it, <laughs> tapping back into uh, deeper existential types of topics and questions to reconnect back to the self and to life in a, in a much healthier and deeper way. That's good. I think I need to do more of that too. So can I ask you, what does success look like and mean to you personally? Hmm. Um, you know, in my opinion, because we talk about success a lot and I mentor a lot of startups and I work with, with a lot of entrepreneurs and the concept of success is one of those that we just mentioned. Like if, if you're not connecting at a more existential level, you are really far off from defining what it is. But for me, success is, and it should be subjective and not relative in an absolute sense, which means that It should only be relative within the individual's framework of self-progression, if you will. And it's not relative to the progression and achievements of other people. If you, um, you you have to want success and claim it for yourself rather than being an observer of others, uh, other people's successes. But what happens is that many people fall into the trap of constantly comparing themselves and focusing so much on what other people are doing and how fast others are moving in their lives and how much younger or older these people are um, without really realizing that they are losing sight of their personal developmental process and what it requires them to make progress on their own journey. Which, you know, if you are an evolved, intelligent and conscious person, you know how much work you must actively do to reprogram your thoughts, to learn new skills and 
and also sharp, uh, sharpen your competences to, to simply become better and better every day. You seriously got no time to keep up with anybody else, <laughs> if that makes sense. So you, ha- so you have to really focus on yourself and never look outside for comparison or validation. That is really detrimental to the preservation and the development of one's authentic identity. Yes, there are a lot of um, universal guidelines through which most of us recognize what success looks like, but achieving true success is is really about fulfilling one's own purpose, and only he or she can determine their success in relation to their own standards and expectations that they set for themselves, and, and the efforts that they invest or don't invest uh, in order to get there. So, so if I fail, I don't fail because you succeeded. I fail because I didn't do what it takes to get to where I told myself I want to be. And where I want to be or where anyone else wants to be, for a matter of fact, is unique to each person's vision and not, not anybody else's. It's such a healthy view. Because uh, I think you really can make yourself crazy by worrying about what other people are doing. Another question I have for you is, what traits do you think make a successful entrepreneur? There, I think you might have touched on some elements of this, uh, but I'd be curious what you think. Yeah, um, we'll talk about traits in a minute, but, but let me say this first. There is an extraordinary gap between reality and perception when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I think that... Uh, that a lot of people don't really understand the meaning of the word entrepreneur. By simple dictionary definition, entrepreneur is described as one who organizes, manages, and assumes the risks of a business or enterprise. You might find other definitions that would say an entrepreneur is a person who starts a business and is willing to take risk loss in order to make money. So in other words, if there is no real business, no real risk, no real expertise, no real product or service, and no real prospect for return on investment, you're not an entrepreneur. And I, and I say this merely to bring a sense of realism and clarity, and it's not about putting anyone down who calls themselves entrepreneur. But everyone needs to hear this. Everybody needs to know that. So if someone want to become an entrepreneur, they have to really understand these fundamentals very well. Yeah, I think the term wantrepreneur probably applies to a lot of people. Could be. <laughs> but, you know, want to be is still possible to be if you do the right things to get there. So I don't want to discredit anyone. I just want to make sure that people do understand what it means. So if you want to become one, you know what you have to do and what it looks like for real, not from your imaginary perspective by just saying, I am an entrepreneur. It doesn't make you one if there is no one, two, three, four, five, six fundamentals in place that would really define you as one. It's more to to, to clear up that uh, confusion in a lot of people's minds because a lot of people also use the title so liberally, just... Um, when they're they're in real life not employed, they're not doing anything. They're they're exploring things, but they're not really doing much in their lives. And then um, they hide behind certain titles to create an illusion for themselves and for others that they are doing something. And I think that's not fair for the people who really are and they deserve or they 
earn certain titles. So, um, so it's just it's just good to to be true. <laughs> so now that we discussed what it means to be an entrepreneur and what you need to do to become one, I would like to go back to the first part of your question about what traits make a successful entrepreneur. Some of these uh, characteristics that are ideal for starting a business and running a business. Um, there are nine that I have in mind that I would like to discuss. First of all, you need to have creativity. Normally, successful entrepreneurs have creative capacity to recognize opportunities and come up with solutions to tackle them. So you have to have that creativity. Um, the second trait that uh, I think is very important is, uh, if it's not the most important, is vision. Um Successful entrepreneurs are people who are capable of looking ahead and seeing the big picture. So it, it requires vision to lead your company and decide where your company should go. Without that vision, your ship will be lost, like they say. <laughs> the, um, the third trait is drive. Um, you need to be in the driver's seat and be proactive in your approaches. So if you cannot take the reins, that's a problem. Um, the fourth one I want to talk about is motivation and enthusiasm. Successful entrepreneurs are self-motivated individuals who have high energy levels. They are future-oriented. They're optimistic they're always thinking about their businesses and, and ways that they could increase their market share and how to become better as, as leaders. And um, and they also have the capacity to bounce back quickly when challenges arise. <clears throat> so that's very important. The next one is versatility, especially for starting out. When, when you're starting out, you typically are on your own for a while or you might have a, a friend or someone that would be your co-founder or two that want to uh, help you with with your vision or something but you're on your own for a while and in early stages of being an entrepreneur you will have to wear so many hats and you're going to have to multitask a lot so you have to be able to do that and you have to be flexible enough and, and adaptable in order to do it the next one which is very huge for entrepreneurship is risk tolerance you know, look, launching any entrepreneurial venture is risky. Of course, there are methods to reduce risk by doing enough research or testing at a small scale. But if you're not willing to assume that risk, then becoming entrepreneur in the first place is not for you. Um, the next one I want to talk about is uh, business and people skills. Uh, successful entrepreneurs naturally are capable of setting up procedures and processes necessary to operate a business and, and they constantly evaluate their skills. Uh, also, they, they have excellent communication, they know how to sell, they're persuasive, they're persistent, they know how to promote themselves and their businesses. So, um, so knowing how to manage people and building relationships as well as having business skills is, you know, it's fundamental. The, um, the next thing I want to talk about before last is uh, being flexible. We, I talked a little bit about vers versatility, but flexibility and open-mindedness are also very important because when you're an entrepreneur, 
you really face a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uncertainty and, and the whole uh, journey of entrepreneurship, even when you build something solid and successful, there's you're still in taking risks and you still don't know what's going to happen in the future. But um, you, you have to be flexible and adaptable enough to be able to adjust your plans and strategies and think quickly about new ways that you can do things in order to um, to, to keep moving and, and, and uh, adapting in the face of any changes that happens uh, in your life and also within your company. The last thing I want to talk about, which a lot of people underestimate the power of decision-making, decisiveness is very important because you have no room for procrastination if you want to make progress. And and that's something that uh, successful entrepreneurs also must have because um, to become successful, you have to know how to size the moment very quickly. So, you know, a lot of these skills can be developed, of course, but um, as I mentioned earlier, you, you have to want success and claim it for yourself to become successful. So that genuine desire for success is very essential. And um, you will have to keep building uh, skills and, and sharpening your competencies to align your desires, uh, with, use your desire for success with the actions that you take to get there. Uh, the three things that I think you can never be taught is vision, motivation, and drive. Those three elements, no one can teach you. As much as people might sell you on, on, on things and concepts that they can teach you how to become visionary and self-motivated and driven, no one can teach you that. That really comes from, from within. No one can foresee the future for you. Otherwise, it's their vision and not yours. No one else can be in your driver's seat. Otherwise, they are leading and you're a follower. And people, of course, can motivate you. They can inspire you. But if you are always relying on their fire to burn yours, you are dead. <laughs> you know? And this reminds me, now that we're talking about this, it reminds me of um, a, a quote that I read a while back by Winston Churchill. It says, and I hope I, I don't miss anything, um, Success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. So you have, so you, so you have to be self-motivated and stay enthusiastic for a long periods of time. Um, otherwise, you won't be able to keep moving forward. You have to be able to bounce back from failures quickly. That's very apropos. How do you think about the concept of failure then? You know, it's. Um, this discussion can get pretty philosophical if we have time to do that. But but for me, the concept of failure, and, and I'm going to share this from my experience in very few words. I know that everything that didn't work helped me to learn what does. It's that simple. So in that sense, if you take your mistakes and failures as... Um, a learning experience. I think it's very valid because I've experienced that myself and I know it's true. I never met anyone personally who went through bitter trials and failures and didn't come out on top unless they gave up too soon or quit. So, you know, so what I'm trying to say here is that success and failure, they kind of go hand in hand, just like any other polarities do. 
and and they only lead us to a new understanding is that we can never really understand a concept unless you fully grasp its complete opposite. You cannot understand one without understanding the other or experiencing the other as well. Do you want to talk more about how someone can how can someone become a successful entrepreneur and really go through that personal development where they're able to get to a point? There are actually solid steps that you can take to become a, a successful entrepreneur. And that's a formula that if you go back in history and look at every successful entrepreneur, you're going to be able to identify those those steps and and understand that this is really the formula if you want to get there. Number 1, you need to start with identifying a problem or a pain point and a product idea or service idea that can solve that. Number two, you need to get capital and build your product or set up your service. Number three, you need to market it and start to acquire customers. And number four, you need to monetize, make money and become profitable. It sounds simple, but it's not. But trust me, those are the steps that you need to think about and, and start from step one so you can so you can get to places. When people see normally a successful individual or a business, they only see the public recognition, they see the glory, they see the valuations and the net worth, but they never see what happens behind the scenes and the sacrifices that take place in private, which is really unfortunate because in many ways, it creates some kind of illusion in people's head that it's also easy, but it's not. It's not. Um, people think that some somehow, like we mentioned earlier, some, somehow you got lucky, or the universe gave you something as a favor, or you were born with uh, with a golden spoon in your mouth, which might be true to some individuals, but it's not for. The majority of us who are hardworking, ambitious, self-made people. Um, again, there is only one formula that got on all entrepreneurs to success. An entrepreneur with an idea needs capital in order to produce a product, gather customers around it, and build a profitable profitable business. And if you want to do or get to do what you love to do, there are certain actions that you can take right now to get there, and it starts with identifying your own purpose. And we touched based a little bit about that when we spoke about success. Um, you need to be able to answer questions such as why I what I love doing. So identify what you really love doing. Um, to really know your competences and and see what you are good at. Number three, uh, look around you and the world and see what problems you can solve that the world needs and benefit from. And then the last thing, what and how, how you can get paid for it. So this is truly, you know, the, the ultimate fulfillment to everybody. If you talk to anyone who is very happy doing the work that they're doing is that they were able to combine their passion with the profession or or the uh, whatever idea that they built for a company and the mission and their vocation. So, so it's all about you at the end of the day and what you want and where you want to be.
So how do you think about combining, uh, like you see a problem out in the world, and I think, I mean, for me personally, it's really easy to identify tons of problems, right? Like once you start thinking in an entrepreneurial way, you see problems everywhere that you can solve with a business. But then I think about where I'm at and like what my situation and skills and my personality, honestly, what I'm interested in. How do you look to align those two things when I see problems like, but that's probably not a problem I'm particularly well suited to solve. So like, how do you think about bringing those two together? I mean, that's what really differentiate people that are doing great things and they're successful at it, but they hate doing it. Um, so if you only follow what you're good at doing, like, let's say I'm so good with money and I am, you know, such an amazing, you know, financial analyst and I'm very good at handling money. So I'm going to go get a, uh, a job in a bank and I'm going to do my best to get to a managerial position and, and try to grow within that corporation. But on day to day basis, I really hate my job. I hate sitting on a desk. I hate dealing with people. Um, you know, so, so, so it has to be something where, you know you're good at something, but you don't love doing it. That's a problem. You you have to you have to love what you're doing, and if what you love is something that you're not good at doing, then if your desire to have that and be that person, you're gonna do everything in the world to learn everything you can possibly uh, learn in order to become competent and to know how to do it. So does that make sense? So, so it's not either or. It's ideal if you are good at something and you love it at the same time. And then you have an idea for a problem that you can solve and you know it will make money. That's, that's the ideal setup. That's really your core purpose in life. But if you have conflicting areas, like I love something but I'm not good at then do you love it enough to do all what it takes to learn how to become good at doing it? That's the that's the differentiation. The, the sorry, the the differentiating factor is how much do you want it? How much are you willing to do to to get there? Um, and that's also the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is that successful people are willing to do the work that unsuccessful people are not willing to do. It's very very simple like that um so so you know so it's just an excuse when you say oh i'm not good at this but i love then then maybe your your desire and what you what you want to achieve are in conflict then maybe it's not the right thing for you or you love it enough that you are willing to do all the work to learn and to become better and if you i mean athletes are a great example for this i love soccer did I ever do anything about about that to become a good soccer player? Absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. Okay. But I love watching soccer. I, I love, you know, uh, the whole sport. So, so if you look at athletes who became really great at playing a game, becoming amazing soccer players or amazing basketball players or tennis players, they, they loved tennis and they loved soccer and they loved volleyball and all that. But they put in all the work to become the athletes that they eventually became doing what they love to do. So I hope that helps to answer your question. I know we kind of rambled a lot, but... Um... A different area than what we've talked about so far, but I, I do want to make sure we cover it. 
How has being a woman influenced your journey? Um, being a woman in general has its own challenges simply because we still live in a world that doesn't always recognize the full humanity of women and the equality between genders, unfortunately. Uh, also, the global society, generally speaking, is still failing at recognizing that the gender barriers still exist and they need to be seriously and consciously addressed in order to not only integrate women fairly and efficiently from the global economy perspective, but also within societies as well at, at the social level. Um, there's still a lot of denial there and, and a lot of issues that women face every day. So, so that's... That's that's not any different from me for from anyone else from any other woman, <laughs> to be honest. Can you talk like more specifically about that? Like how has that impacted like your specific experiences? Like I understand that it's generally harder for women to get funding in Silicon Valley. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, uh, well, the challenges that I personally experience, as I said, are no different from what many other women experience from sexism to harassment to stereotyping and sabotage, especially for, for me, and I'm going to talk about my experience on, on the career front, being in technology and manufacturing space is a, is a male-dominated uh, space. And um, gender stereotyping being so deeply rooted, it makes it very challenging for, um, for women in general like myself who refuse to accommodate the gender role stereotypes and, and they choose career uh, careers that don't necessarily fit into the conventional career patterns that women are expected to be in. There is a lot of resistance because there's so much masculine politics. Um, so, you know, when it comes to funding or even advancing in general within uh, any organization, it's still a challenge for for a lot of women, it, it takes a lot of strength and um, and determination. And I'm talking about me again. Like it, it took me a lot of strength and determination to stay the course because there's so many turnoffs. And of course, on you know, I had to work so hard and, and so much harder than so many people that I had encountered who are not women, you know, or or who are women but they're not really willing to do what I'm what I'm doing. Um, and let me tell you, it really take, takes a lot to get through these barriers with other people. But, you know, of course, with time and experience and the more you kind of make progress in life and you more, the more you prove your, your, uh, your capabilities and what, what you could do and how much you could do and where you could go and how far you could go in life all these things start to fade a little bit more and, and start to um, become less influential on your life because you, you, you gain a lot more control and you gain a lot more um, power over how things need to happen for you um, with no, without allowing the interferences of others, if that makes sense. Sure. So what advice or uh, like wisdom would you share with other women who aspire to become entrepreneurs and business leaders? Everything we discussed earlier about entrepreneurship applies to every, everyone. So it's not really gender specific. If women want to become entrepreneurs, 
they need to follow the formula we talked about. Um, they need to define their own purpose so they could achieve success by doing what they are passionate about and creating impact and making money doing it. But the problem is that with some women is that they get really caught up with the masculine politics and gender dynamics with, with the world around them. So that really uh -huh. hinders them from advancing in their lives. Um, they wait for validation. They wait for permission. They suppress themselves. They slip into more conventional female carrier patterns because they are scared or, or the conditioning is so deeply rooted. So, so women still have to learn that they should stop waiting for anyone to give them this, this power. And my advice to them is that if they really want to become entrepreneurs and they want to lead businesses, they have to have the mentality of being the heroine of their own life. And they can't continue to think about themselves as victims. They also need to develop a deep understanding of their own value based on realistically assessing their competencies, their aspirations, their purpose, identifying um, what skills they need to learn to become better and more competent for, for becoming a business leader and, and uh, influencing other people and having um, other people um, become uh, persuaded to, to follow their vision and support them to, to build their companies. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's really up to every woman to, to choose um, to be a hero or a victim at the end of the day. Nothing can stop a woman who knows her self-value and, and has the strength to hold herself and others account, accountable and who has the ambition to reach higher levels of achievements, nothing really can can stop that. So I just wanted to wrap up. Do you have any final advice for people thinking about entrepreneurship or business? Is there anything that you want to leave listeners to think about? Yeah, on entrepreneurship, I want to say that don't expect success to be instant. Don't expect success to be constant. It really takes a long time and persistent hard work. There will be a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks. Uh, there will be a lot of complete startovers along the way. So you have to be willing to invest the time, manage your energy wisely, and, and learn from your mistakes very quickly. You also need to believe that you can succeed and you'll be able to find ways through any obstacles to move towards success. On, um, on leadership, I want to say that leadership is not a job. Leadership is solely based on the willingness of people to adopt your vision and follow your lead. So I always see people who, who just want to be authoritarian figures and they think that that's leadership. But it's not that they really got it all wrong. So if you want to sit on a throne and claim authority over other people and think that that's being a leader, then good luck <laughs> with that, uh, because that's what dictatorship looks like. So leadership is really about the capability of empowering other people and uh, helping other people to shine with individuality Leadership is about building trust and, and being able to engage people 
also it's about helping to expand knowledge within within your team if you're leading a company and um, you have people around you you have to be able to instill competence in them and stimulate them constantly to keep them inspired and and help them to to really be engaged to feel that they are part of something that they are meaningful to the success of the corporation or, or, or the organization that you're leading. So that's very important as well. On business, what I want to say is that you need to treat business as a person. Business entity is like a human being. So if, if your message or product or services can have a positive impact on people's lives while you are making money and being monetarily profitable, then you have you're you're absolutely substantial if you are able to combine the meaning and the substance of what you create with the knowledge and the values that you stand for in life you become very impactful and i think those are the greatest businesses on earth the ones that are able to to combine all this to to combine um, great product and service with creating positive impact while being monetarily uh, as well profitable. So that's my take on business. Yeah, that's. I really love the philosophical perspective that you bring to bring to the table. That's just good conversation, giving me a lot to think about. So just to wrap up, thanks for being on the show and sharing sharing your insights with the Y Tri community. I I cannot express how much I got out of this conversation. So I, thank you. I I really mean that. Thank you so much for having me, Nicholas. Um, uh, I hope that um, throughout this conversation, we were able to highlight certain concepts and ideas and uh, thoughts that people can can leave with, and that could be beneficial as well, because that's really the whole aim of having this conversation, especially for people who have aspirations and dreams, and they're not sure where to start and and what to do with themselves and with all the ideas that they have. I, I hope this this conversation gave them a little bit of a guideline, if anything, or um, or things to think about that could directly impact their lives in a positive way. I, I really hope I was able to do that. I think you definitely will. Thank you. I had a lot of fun in this conversation. Ronnie is just such a deep thinker and I learned a ton. The big takeaway for me was the way that she talked about the attitudes of successful entrepreneurs and particularly how confidence and a genuine desire for success come together to produce such powerful results, especially when it comes to aligning your work with your identity and your purpose as an individual. And this is a fundamental goal of my own life, so it's inspiring to hear her thoughts on this topic. I'll include links to her website and social media pages, as well as her book recommendations in the show notes. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, whose bassist has a PhD in fairy rings. You can listen to their music online at cepdx.bandcamp.com and from Apple iTunes and Spotify. If you like this conversation, you can find more like it on your podcast app under Why Try. Just look for the bright red logo. Finally, it's been fun watching this podcasting community get some traction, and so to help keep this going, do me a favor and leave a rating and review, which you can now do in most podcast apps. I think it takes a minute, maybe less, so if you could do that, that'd be a huge favor to me. I'd appreciate it. You can find past episodes and learn more about my entrepreneurial coaching service at nicholaspeel.com. Thanks for listening.